welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. So awesome to have you here for episode 86, and I'm excited to introduce my guest for today, Presley Hirsch. You can check out her website, heypresleycreative.com, and her name is spelled P-R-E-S-L-I-E. And since Presley is a podcaster herself, she has her Hey Presley podcast, we thought it'd be cool to kind of go against the grain from our normal course um, and ask each other questions. So kind of throw things back and forth and have some really good dialogue around a lot of topics that we care about. So I hope you guys enjoy the dynamic of this particular episode. I know I just had a ton of fun talking with her. We went almost two hours. Uh, It was an incredible episode and I'm really excited for you guys to listen in. So without further ado, my chat today with Presley Hirsch. Let's get it started. Hey, Preds, this is awesome to chat with you today. I'm excited. Thanks, thanks for, uh, for, thanks for jumping. Me. I know we're kind of doing a weird thing here with the uh, kind of podcast together. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. This will be a fun try. I love so it. So for folks out there listening, and we probably did an intro to this anyways, so we're yeah. maybe we'll be telling it again. If it, we, I know we each have intros on our podcast, but for folks that uh, fast forward it through, so what we're going to do here is instead of the normal course of action where like Presley has this, you know, awesome entrepreneur out in Phoenix and she's going to be doing some cool things in years to come as well. Um, instead of me just peppering her with questions and her sharing her story, we're actually going to do kind of, we're both going to be talking back and forth, asking questions and just kind of having a mind meld of this, uh, just cause we have a lot of similarities, but also some different stuff we're doing. So it could be fun. So yeah, anyways, that, that was my intro. That's to, perfect. Uh, I'm just going to piggyback on that and say that I think that's a great idea. We have, we have a lot in common and I think uh, it's going to be really neat to share a little bit more personal conversation rather than a more formal interview with our listeners. So thanks for the idea. Yeah, this is great. No, glad to chat with you. So why don't, why don't you share for folks that are listening, um, maybe the Just Get Started podcast aren't familiar with you. G- give me the, the 30 seconds of, uh, of Presley. Yeah, the elevator pitch that we all should be working on that we're not. Um, (laughs) So my name is Presley, born and raised in Phoenix. I own the Hey Presley Collective, which is a uh, collective of things. So I have the Hey Presley podcast, uh, Hey Presley Creative, which I help small business owners with their systems, automation, websites, designs, all kinds of fun stuff behind the scenes. And then I have Hey Presley Nutrition, uh, which is how I got into entrepreneurship, which is a nutrition coaching company. That's a lot going on. That's pretty good. (laughs) I do a lot of things. Well, yeah. And, and well, that was one of the things that intrigued me was, and, and you have a background, remind me, so you have a background in, you know, fitness and nutrition, right? That's kind yeah. of what was a big part of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. So it was a big part of my upbringing, but on my own. So my family was not very healthy. Um, nobody worked out. Nobody was very active. Nobody ate well. And as I was really into volleyball, really into athletics, and then as I got into high school and really more in college, when I realized how much um, you know, I went through a lot of eating disorder stuff, a lot of body image stuff, and really started to realize how much nutrition and fitness played into not only looking the way you want to look, but really more so feeling the way you want to look is when I really dove in. So it's really been only the last five to eight years that I've really uh, kind of started encompassing this, this health and nutrition passion. Hmm. Why did you have, if you don't mind me prying in, why did you have the eating, the eating disorder? What, what happened with that? Yeah. So I remember feeling awful about the way that I looked. I mean, in elementary school, very, very young. And in middle school, I started diving into magazines and trying to figure out why didn't I feel good in my clothes? Why didn't I feel good in the mirror? I've always been short and stocky. 
Um, and I've, I've had bigger legs and I couldn't fit into Abercrombie clothes. And I remember reading magazines about, you know, eating as little as possible. And I didn't feel like the women on these covers or on TV or at school looked like I did. And it just perpetuated this thought that I was bigger than I should be, that women shouldn't be strong, you know, which I like laugh at that, that phrase now. But at the time, it really felt like truth. And uh, in middle school, I, I basically tried to eat as little as I could. Um, and a friend of mine told the school counselor. And I, she made me, or not made me, you know, but she enrolled my parents and I had to go to um, therapy outside of school. And it was an awful experience. I had a really terrible counselor. So then that just kind of perpetuated this, you know, if you're having issues, don't talk about them because then you have to go to things that don't help. And it was a really pretty negative spiral there for several years. And uh, eventually I thought, well, if I can get on stage in a bikini and win a trophy, then surely I'll feel good about myself. Uh, which you can probably guess how that ends. That's not how you feel good about yourself. Um, because I remember, you know, fast forward being home with my spray tan and my sparkly bikini with my trophy, still not feeling good about myself. And that was really the launching pad for figuring out, okay, if, if starving myself isn't working and winning trophies isn't working, you know, there has to be something that makes me be able to feel good about myself and not have to deprive myself and really enjoy life and feel good in the body that I'm in. Um, and so that launched me into studying nutrition and, and learning more about this stuff. Did, did you get like bullied or picked on or something, or was it just in turn more like in your, in your head? Yeah, I really didn't. I, it was totally in my head. I had a lot, I had a great support system. My family at home is super loving. I've always had a lot of great friends. Um, it's, it's always been very internal. Yeah. I think it's that a lot of folks have this and even in, in adulthood, right? Is that we look at someone else and we're like, oh, that's the, you know, the Instagram culture we live in, right? That's what I need to look like or be like or act like or whatever. And it just, and, and I think that's challenging for whatever reason. A lot of people don't realize they, they don't need that, right? They, yeah. how, how can I be happy with who I am and what I've been gifted with, if you will? Because um, I think everyone has that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But as, as you talked about, I think it was getting that mindset shift for you. Even after you had the trophy, it was, you had to change your mindset before you can ever move forward, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know so many women struggle with this because I think there is a lot of pressure on, on women, but a lot of men struggle with it too. And I don't think there's very many outlets for them to talk about it. I think that as we grow up, especially in adolescence, but really into like high school and college, there's just this feeling of always, am I doing enough? Do I look good enough? You know, it's, it's always this feeling of enough. Um, and I think women can sometimes perpetuate that with each other if you if you don't have the right support group uh, where, you know, it's kind of like that mean girls where they all look in the mirror and pick themselves apart. Mm -hmm. And I think guys often don't talk about it at all and then keep it to themselves. And then we grow into these adults and we're still comparing if we're, you know, not good enough. Yeah. And that's how part, I mean, I grew up, I was, um, maybe a little different story to you, but like, I, I mean, I was, I was an okay athlete. Like it did, you know, I played basketball a lot. I was a big golfer, you know, that's a big part of, you know, my life. I love golf and, and, um, I played at different various levels and, and you know, good or bad. But the one thing I, I remember when you just mentioned that was like my motivation. So I was a, um, uh, let's see, going into sophomore year of college, I weighed 155 pounds and I was about six, three. So if you can imagine if everyone's visualizing, right. Yeah. That's a scrawny kid. <laughs> right. So, but I, I'm around all these college guys and I'm like, man, I no girls are looking at me. Like I'm not getting it, you know, and I had some really cool friends that were baseball players and stuff. So I asked them one day, I came back to college after uh, uh, my internship and I said, 
hey guys, you mind if I start lifting with you? And what's hilarious is, and I, I, I have to drudge up these pictures, but I gained 45 pounds in four months. I have a picture at the holidays with my, with my parents, 45 pounds. So I was 200 pounds um, right about on the scale of four months later. And, Cause I was lifting six days a week. I was probably eating, eating 5,000 everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. But like that was now I felt really good after the fact in terms of just like, obviously my body, I felt strong, whatever, but yeah. my motivation to do that there was probably a variety of stuff. I was like, okay, this could help my golf game. This could help whatever. But a lot of it was around like, okay, can I, you know, I need muscles. I need to look better for right. whatever. So like my image, the image in my head was like, okay, I got to look this certain way to project whatever. And it was a bad way to look at it. Um, I, you know, I reflect back now. I'm like, that's dumb. But right. at the end of the day, I didn't know any different, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of folks go through that. I'm young yeah. and Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, having owned a nutrition coaching company and, and been a nutrition coach the last several years, your why, so to speak, which is, can be such an overused term, but it is so important because when people come to me and they're like, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to feel better. I'm like, that's not like when you want something that's not great for your body or isn't going to fuel you well, or when you don't want to go to the gym or, or whatever it is, like that's not going to be convincing enough, you know? And it's not that I want you to feel terrible about yourself and that's the place we're coming from, but you have to want more than to just look better because it's, it's just not a strong enough why that I don't think it makes most people successful. And when it does, so to speak, you know, however you want to define success, you get there and you still don't feel better because it's just a perpetuating cycle. You know, I remember when I was 8%, 7% body fat before I would step on stage and be like, I wonder if I'll like lean out more. Like when will I finally feel better? You know, it's like you can only wither away so much and you keep, it just messes with your mind and you keep thinking, if I just get there, if I just get there, you know, so coming from that place of just wanting to look better, I just don't think it's a strong enough why that creates lasting change. Yeah. And I, I certainly agree with you. It's that motivation. You know, I talk a lot about like, you know, people having their North star. Mm -hmm. And I think from a fitness standpoint, that North star is like, yeah, is it for, except is it just, I want to look good for, you know, each season next year. Okay. I mean, again, and I guess that's a motivation, but then what you, what do you start doing? You start right. cutting, you know, calories hard. You start maybe taking supplements you shouldn't take, you know, things of that nature, instead of having a goal of like, Hey, I want to be able to do somersaults when I'm 70. Okay, that's a different motivation right. because now you're you have this kind of vision of where you want to go, and you don't have to cut corners to get there. You're going to do the right thing. So yeah. I think having that north star from a fitness. I talk a lot about from an entrepreneur standpoint, but really from a fitness standpoint, can help a lot of people um, make sure they make the right decisions each and every day. Absolutely. At least that's what I think about it. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good, but it's, it's just not, shouldn't be your sole motivation. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it too, though, it, you know, you mentioned, I think briefly a little while ago is like, you know, feeling good because mm. that's the, and I'm assuming from your, I know we, we both kind of into CrossFit and, yeah. and those type of things and, and nutrition is, is a big part of our lives. But when I, when you feel good, it's kind of like a, it's like a nice circle, right? When you feel really good, well, now you can you have the energy to go work out and you have, you, you actually want to go work out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately when you work out, ultimately you continue to feel good. So it's just like the nice circle that happens. Totally. Um, but I, that's the thing. I, I probably why you could, what you're doing a lot of coaching on that front. Do you, you're coming up to that time of the year, right? The new year's resolutions, big yeah. time of year where a lot of people quit, you know, eight days into January. Um, what, 
what's the, what do you, what do you, when you talk with your clients about that, like, what is the reason behind that? Is that the motive is the motivation. Okay. I've been wanting to do this. I'm going to put the line in the sand and start January one. And then just, they don't have a, a kind of a carrot down the road um, that they want to follow. If that even, I don't know if that yeah. made sense, but you know, no, I, you I mean, know I, what I meant by it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's definitely part of that, but I honestly think most people take on way too much. And, and what's funny, especially in podcasting where I've interviewed a lot of people that know a lot about personal growth and self-development and all of these things, the, the concept that keeps coming up is like doing the really free, easy things that seems too simple to work, like meditation and sleep and hydrating yourself and surrounding yourself with good people. And, you know, it's like, we hear those things. We're like, yeah, yeah. Like, what should I actually be doing? What should I actually be eating? What, you know, it's as if those things don't work. Um, so I think most people just take on too much. You know, they start January one, I'm not eating sugar. I'm only eating vegetables and protein at every meal. I'm going to the gym every day, you know, and then five days in you're sore and exhausted and hungry. And you're like, I'm over this. This is really hard, you know? And it's, you just try to do too much at once. And I know that small wins aren't sexy and it's not super fun to be like this week. All I'm going to work on is eating more vegetables or this week. All I'm going to work on is drinking more water. But I mean, I've, I've helped hundreds of people, you know, through small wins, achieve those goals and be able to sustain them. I just don't think for most people, extremism works long-term. Yeah, I would agree. I, I really think the short wins are, have to be very small yeah. and then you kind of build up the momentum instead of just, you know, kind of ripping the bandaid off and saying, Hey, I'm doing this. Some people can do it. Totally. Right? Some people can do it, but yeah, most probably need to subscribe to the, Hey, let me, let me drink, you know, two extra glasses of water tomorrow. Right. right? Let me, let me slow into this. And ultimately, but that's one of those things I'm fat. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I've been fast about this recently. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it around the, the short versus the long term, because what I've observed from a lot of folks that, that I've talked with and interacted with is a short term mentality. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the right approach. I'm, I don't, I'm not saying the long-term approach is the right either. I think you have to mix, but it's again, making the choice of like, yeah, I'm not going to go work out today. That's all right. I'll get back at it tomorrow. And then two days, you know, turns into six and then all of a sudden it's a month. But I think having more of that long-term vision of here's where I want to go and then slowly mapping out how to get there. It seems like that's the way it, it should work or could work versus you know, if I don't do it today, it's not a big deal, but then that starts piling up over time. So I think yeah. most folks are like, hey, I'll watch three hours of Netflix tonight. Not a big deal. I'll get to that work tomorrow. And then that never comes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious your thoughts on this from a nutrition side, but maybe it's even from an, a business yeah. side, obviously, you know, struggles that you probably go through. Yeah. You know, I really see it both ways. And it's funny because I'm interested in your thought too, given that your podcast is like, just get started. Like right. maybe not always uh, psych yourself out by having to make a map and a long-term plan. Because I know that my life has been a lot of just trying things and, and not necessarily knowing where it's going to go. And I've had a lot of instances in my life where I have thought I, I knew where I was going to go and then life happens and things change. So <clears throat> while I agree that there needs to be a long-term plan, I also think that that can be really overwhelming for some people. Um, something that's been really powerful for me to think about when it comes to like do you spend three hours watching Netflix or not is a couple things. One is realizing that your life is made up of days. So if you can think about the fact that like every single day is like the way you spend your days, the way you do activities, your behaviors, your habits, that is what your life is made up of. You know, at the end of your life, it's, it's a bunch of days put together. And so when I think about that, that makes me think I want to spend each day more intentionally. Um, but with that, have you read principles by Ray Dalio? 
Yes, it's a so good. Like, and he has that great yeah. app, by the way. I don't know. Have you seen yes. the app? No, I haven't. He's got a cool app that kind of breaks it down a little differently. That's um, cool. It has some different stuff. Yeah, there's a principles app too. It's a great book. Uh, little, it can be dry at some parts, but it's really profound, I think. Um, so that's kind of interesting if somebody like doesn't want to dive into the book to to do the app. Yeah, and I'm, I'm more digestible. And by the way, if I can plug, because yeah. folks that listen to this knows about Next Gen Summit, which a uh, big community that I'm a part of, they just announced for the 2020 summit in June next year, Ray Dalio is going to be the keynote speaker. That's cool. Ironically, that you mentioned that. Wow. So folks like that are listening, that nextgenngsummit.com, go check them out. You know, Justin and Dylan put on a great show there. So anyways, I had to plug those guys. So. No, please do. Um, yeah. So what I was just going to say is that, you know, Ray's book principles was helpful for me in that if you know, even if you don't know where you're going, but you know, your overarching principles, you know, maybe one of your principles is to spend really intentional quality time with your children. Well then watching Netflix with your kids might be aligned with that, you know? So I think getting clear on what your main principles are, or maybe it's rest. Like maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're working 80 hours a week. So watching Netflix for three hours could actually benefit you because you need to turn off every once in a while. Yeah. So I think it's not black and white that having the context of like, what, what is my overarching North stars? Um, even if it's not a specific goal can be really helpful. Yeah. And I agree with that. That's why I think there has to be a mixture. That's why I, yeah. I don't even, I don't like long-term goals past, you know, I, this was the first year I actually, um, actually I wanted to get into this. I know on Instagram the other day, you, you posted your one word yeah. looking into that, but, um, the, uh, it was the first year that I actually wrote goals on my bathroom window or bathroom window, bathroom mirror. Yeah. And to, to be able to kind of map that out, but like past a year, I don't think anything of that. It's more that North star as I was talking about, here's what I want to do in life, Yeah. but it's not a set like, Oh, I got to be the CEO of this company or something right. like, no, because that, then what happens when you get there? There's a, you almost never can reach the North star, but it's, you're always striving to go in that direction. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, th I like your, your thought on that. And it's also come down to, yeah, the principles, it's really the priorities. Mm -hmm. What do you prioritize as important? Uh, like, again, if you're, this whole thing we talk about, you know, I was mentioned before with the 12, you know, dozen months of discovery next year, yeah. like a digital detox I'm doing in January. You know, if I'm, if I'm with my son, like I try not to be on my phone, but let's say I'm sitting on my phone or on Instagram or something like I'm prioritizing that over right. my son. And you know, that's something I got to thinking about a lot. And that's, I think, a good point, at least an area that people can start with is like, what if I had to stack rank my priorities mm -hmm. and then ultimately that leads me to decision. So again, if I'm working and I have a big project I get done by tomorrow, well, am I, you know, am I sitting and sifting through email today? Well, is that really important? That can come tomorrow. I can do that the next day. Let's yeah. get done the bigger chunks that are important. So I think priority kind of meshes well with the principles that you're mentioning. I Absolutely. I think so. When you, and you said like, you know, if I had to stack my priorities, I think more people should you know, like actually yeah. write it down. You know, it, would, it might be really interesting to see, you know, maybe you're prioritizing work over your significant other. And maybe you, you want that to be the case. Maybe in this season, work is more important to you than your relationships. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but getting clear about that, you know, or maybe it's the other way. Maybe you've been prioritizing work over your relationships and you write it down and you're like, that doesn't feel good. I really want to be prioritizing my partner more than work. So then it gives you like the clarity to change some things. So I think more people yeah. should write down their priorities. You know, what, what and, are you and doing? The decisions are, and yeah, the decisions are hard. I mean, these aren't easy choices. You know, that's what always comes down to the I like to joke with the matrix I talk about a lot, right? The blue or red pill, right? right? It's always, it always comes down to choices and you have one or the other. 
So it just depends on, yeah, do I want to? And I always use the the Netflix, the, the joking, like, yeah, I watch three hours at night kind of thing. But that could be an analogy for a variety of things or a metaphor for a variety of things. But really, it's like, what, yeah, what are you prioritizing over that? So if 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 you say, like, you're working with your, your uh, students and they're like, yeah, I want to drop 15 pounds because I want to be able to run that, you know, half marathon next year and that's going to help me get there. Okay, well, when you don't stick to this plan, and you eat ice cream every night, well, that's not, you're not prioritizing that goal of yours or that thing you want to do. You're prioritizing, you know, that, that taste for, sure. you know, 15 minutes kind of thing. Well, I think a lot of it, I mean, priorities is such a good point because coming back to the nutrition example, a lot of people I think, or, or I've noticed in my coaching struggle because they aren't prioritizing other things. So for example, if you're eating ice cream every night at night, it might be that you're not fueling your body well during the day. So when you finally sit down, your blood sugar's tanked and you're exhausted and your body's like, we need calories and we need fat because we're hungry and you didn't feed us all day. And so, it, I mean, you're working against yourself, you know? And so I think a lot of times people, you know, they don't prioritize water. So then at night they drink a bunch of water. Now they sleep terrible because they're up all night going to the bathroom. And, and a lot of it does come down to priorities. So that's, that's a really good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, um, Oh, go ahead. Let me, let me, let me keep quizzing you. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm curious for you. So you mentioned, obviously, so you're doing, how long have you had the nutrition business? Um, it will be four years in January. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Thanks. What was the, for a lot of folks listening, at least I know on the Just Get Started podcast, um, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is that early journey, kind of those hurdles to jump at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Do you remember back four years ago, like what was maybe the lowest point, you know, biggest challenge you had to deal with to get the business off the ground? Was there anything yeah. that you remember? You know, I, so I had a, I graduated college and got a job as an executive assistant. So I graduated with nutrition, got a job as an executive assistant at a a family owned produce company just because I thought I wanted to work my way up at a company and it seemed appealing to me and never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I actually had to take an entrepreneur class in college and hated it. Um, it was just not something that ever appealed to me. And, but I had my degree in nutrition. So I started helping people at my CrossFit gym, like for free on the side. Cause I was like, well, I have all this knowledge and I enjoy talking about it. And then I started helping so many people that I started charging like 20 bucks to sit down with somebody at Starbucks and, and go over their nutrition because I was like, well, now I need to cover my time. Now that I have a full-time job, my time's a little bit more valuable. Um, and it just really organically built from there. And then somebody said, could, it was actually a, a regional CrossFit athlete that I knew through a friend. And she said, well, could you coach me like each month? Like, could we talk every week? And I was like, wow, I mean, I guess so. Like, I guess I'll make up a coaching program. You know, it was all very organic. And then I had... 10, 12, 15 people that I was doing email coaching with. And then I was like, maybe I should do phone coaching. And, and it just was very organic. Um, but the jump, so to speak, was I was working that executive assistant job. I worked there for a year. Um, but over the course of that year, I got really sick. I had a really um, awful case of endometriosis. And so I would be in a lot of pain. And I was going to all of these doctor's appointments and specialists and um, doing these treatments. And I would have to stay home sometimes. And it got to a point I had to get a pretty invasive surgery where I was going to be out for a few weeks. And I'd already kind of been craving something else. It was a great company to work for, but I just felt like everybody there was doing the same thing every day. And I really wanted to be in more of like a growth area um, and do things that I felt like really moved the needle in, in my life and other people's lives and made more of an impact. 
And so um, in January, so I'd been working at that corporate job for four or five months before I formally started my business and then built it for eight months before I left. Um, and I would say no part of it has been terribly easy, um, but it, I felt secure enough in knowing that I had built up a good clientele before I left. I saved up enough money so that if all of my clients quit, I would, I would have a few months where I could figure it out. Um, and I've, I've really developed kind of this mindset that I am so much more willing to bet on myself than another employer. I know that a lot of people think it's scary and it's jumping and, and it's much easier for me to say, I don't have kids. I don't have a house payment. Um, there's definitely some things that make it a little bit easier for me to, so, so to speak, jump. But I feel like, you know, if you can equip yourself with enough skills in, in communication or things that you know how to do or knowledge, you're a far better bet than somebody that sees you as a name on a spreadsheet. And when they have to make layoffs, like your spreadsheet row is gone, you know? Um, so I think that I, I don't even think about it as scary anymore. I think it's fun to see, you know, what you can do on your own. That That's was pretty lot. nice. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I think there's a couple of things to, to make sure you can, we kind of pin on that. One is you built up a little nest egg. Like you were smart about it. You didn't just walk in the office and say, right. I'm done. And, and then be like, Oh shit, I got to figure this out. Like you actually had some thoughtfulness behind it yeah. and you were building it up on the side. You were doing right. it at nights or on weekends and putting yep. in that time. And that goes back to, I don't want to belabor the point, but kind of goes back to the original thought we were talking about the short and long term kind of thinking mm -hmm. is like, that's part of the where I was getting at and you kind of said it a hell of a lot better than I did. So I'll circle back to it quickly was that like, if you are trying to do something on your own, like it takes, like I even look at what I've been doing with just get started and, yeah. and the book and stuff like that. Like it takes a few years and not only does it take time to put in the, the effort of actually doing it, it also building up like my self-confidence had to get better, right? My support system, I had to change. Like yeah. there was a lot of other factors. And then obviously the biggest was my mindset and just really confirming that I could do it. Right. But I think it goes back to the point is, you know, I, I talk with a lot of you know, friends about this is like, you know, they're complaining about their job and like, Oh, I hate this. But I'm like, if you don't like it, if you love it, fine, like no big deal. But if you don't like it, what are you doing over the next six months, year, two years, three years, whatever, to build up, to go out and do something different that you love, whether it's working for someone else, which is fine, but again, building up that skill set or doing something on your own. And most folks are not, are, they're unwilling to put in the work to right. do that. They'd rather complain. And it's sad for me because like I said, one of my big goals in life is like to really help make you know, people kind of understand or, or f get fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I just understand there's a different way to do things. Yeah. Um, cause I had that awakening cause I was in the same boat. Um, so it's like, Hey, how do, how do other folks get to understand that this is an option for you right. if you really put the time in and yeah, there might be a few hard years, but isn't it worth it coming out on the other end um, where you're actually fulfilled and happy in life versus, you know, always living for the weekend type thing. Totally, so, totally. Anyways, I wanted to circle back to that point yeah. on the short and long term because I think that's, we talk about fitness about it, but it's really about entrepreneurship. And if you want to um, do that, again, even if you want to work for another company, that's fine. But maybe Absolutely. it's something you actually love doing versus, you know, you know, something you're doing now because that was your, you went to college for it and, and then just worked your way up the corporate ladder. Yeah. You know, and I don't think everybody should work for themselves. And I, I don't think that it, like entrepreneurship should always be this glorified goal. Um, but I do think, and, and I also don't think that everybody 
is going to love their job every day, even if it's the perfect job for you. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's super realistic. I hope there's people that feel that way, but I don't think you should be miserable. I don't think that you should not like your job at all. Um, and that, like you said, that you should be living for the weekends and to your point of like just getting started. I think that there is so much, you know, we're in an age where there's never been more information. It's never been more free or accessible. So to think that, you know, I've been in that position where I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, what, what do you want me to go do if I don't know what that is? And I think the answer is just try something like just go volunteer, go like to a new club, go to Toastmasters where you can learn how to speak. Cause that's going to help you no matter what you do. You know, it's like, just go learn a skill or like get involved with something. And maybe you're volunteering and you're like, well, I want to help with the next event. You know, maybe you're getting pulled to like organization or event planning, or, you know, it might not even be where you think it is, but I think until you're open to receiving the things that start to tug on your heart that you won't receive them. Yeah. And one of the other things I, I actually did a one mic session. I kind of do some of these where I just kind of you know, freewheel on my awesome. podcast. Um, but actually it, to that point is I had something called the toolbox of knowledge mm. where, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer, like I, you know, I do software sales as well. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that at an organization, there are so many other departments and, and people that you can learn from. So if you don't, whether you like your job or not, going and seeking out those other individuals, you know, going in and saying, Hey, I want to be a part of this club or this group and getting to know new people yeah. asking executive leadership, Hey, can I sit in on this meeting or can I pick your brain for 30 minutes and acquiring more knowledge ultimately helps you taste to see, God, do I really like that? And if I do, Hey, maybe I should go down the path. If I don't, well, at least I have some additional insight stories, um, knowledge, education, whatever you want to call it that I can take with me either in this role going forward or in another role if I go to another company. So that when I interview somewhere, now all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm, a, I'm a kind of at the top of the pile. Yeah. And, and that's what I noticed with a lot of people. Like I'll do some interviewing with folks and stuff. And when they, when they come in an interview, it's like, what's your differentiator? Just like if there's a competitor, right? What's your differentiator? And if you could point to doing X, Y, and Z on your own, hey, I tried this, I tasted this, that looks a little bit better, I think, to an employer to say, hey, this person's more well-rounded. They've tried things. They're going to go out and be curious when they're working in this environment as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, that's a point to a lot of folks is like, even if you're in an organization and you might like it, you might enjoy the job, great, but how do you acquire additional skills? Because those are always going to change, right? In Absolutely. 10 years, the jobs that are around now, a lot of them may not be around. Who knows? You know, everyone thinks their robots are going to take over the world you know, but I don't think that's going to happen that quick. But. <laughs> that's such a good point. I was actually, I just went on a, a short road trip with my mom a couple of weeks ago to visit my brother. And we were talking about that because growing up something that, um, which this is, lends actually itself to a question that I want to ask you, but uh, growing up, I, my mom always preached, I would so much rather you be well-rounded than be perfect in anything. So I was not the best on the volleyball team. I, I didn't get straight A's. I wasn't you know, the best person in student council or the most active, whatever, but I was in all of it, you know, and I got B's and C's and I was involved in every club and I showed up to practice every day and I did a lot of different things. And I think that has done nothing but serve me over my adult life thus far, um, is being involved in a lot of different things. And if, if nothing else, like you said, you learn, you add tools to your box and you make great connections which are all wins. So even if you go to it and you're like, mm, I don't want to be involved in the IT department, you really didn't lose. You know, I'm not a big believer in sunk costs. Um, I think time learning is time well spent, whether it's 
transpires in anything or not. Um, but something I want to ask you that you mentioned before we hopped on was that you think, or I mean, I won't speak for you, but you mentioned that, uh, habits and things that you enjoyed in childhood or, or did in childhood can actually then benefit you down the road. So what did you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that for, and again, I'm not speaking on me personally, but I'm assuming most people can agree to this, or maybe if they look back is I've done a lot of reflection over the last handful of years. A lot of things have changed in my life. And as I've sat back and kind of the self-awareness and, and really self-observation, I've looked a lot about childhood and how that impact of childhood and who I am today. A lot of that's a reflection of who I was back then, but there was a period in my life where I didn't really think about that. And I wasn't going toward doing things that were actually in line with how I was as a kid. So let me just kind of summarize a little bit better. So like I, I remember as a kid, so two, one on a positive and negative, right? So one, I was a middle child and I always held that against my parents, right? Of like never giving me enough attention. And, you know, I always need attention and neediness and all that, you know, kind of, you know, as I was growing up and as I've reflected the last few years, I've realized, yeah, that was a big, that was something I really need to overcome. Not that it was affecting relationships or anything like that. I mean, I guess it, it could have, but it didn't allow me to look a little bit, you know, selfishly, if you will, to say, Brian, are you happy? Instead of trying to get attention from others or trying to be around, like, are you happy with who you are and what you're doing and what you're accomplishing? Because that reflects back on the world. And then if you are, now you can go out and, you know, have your friends you want and, and do these things. So that was a big thing from like really learning about what I would consider maybe um, a negative, I guess, growing up mm -hmm. and or taking as a negative um, that upbringing to turning it into a positive now and, and having that fuel. But then I also look at other things where like, and I, I've actually been going through, there's a great guy, uh, Rich Keller, who I've been working with kind of from a branding side, kind of defining, you know, our, our, your one word as he does it. He used to be a branding expert for 25 years. And we actually just defined, um, actually, you're the first one I'm telling. We just defined this the other day. I went through this whole exercise for a while. So my one word, and this is really continuing to define my direction going forward is navigator. So everyone has their own word. And the reason we came up with navigator is because not only have I navigated a lot of difficult situations and various points in my life and, and kind of came out in more of an optimistic and positive light, but one of my key things that I learned as a kid that is I'd like to help people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can say I like to help people, but really like I have a lot of empathy, social awareness, a lot of and I've learned this a lot from my grandparents, um, just like being that servant leader, if you will, trying to, you know, really look at others and say, you know, how can I help them um, to get better, to be in a better spot than they are right today. So I've always taken that through my life and during, you know, I used to coach golf for a living. So like I can see that in some of the endeavors that I've done, I'm doing with the podcast now, you know, in terms of trying to give back and, and share these stories so other people maybe can get fulfilled in life. So we look at that. And so a lot of things that I'm going to go forward have been because when I was a kid, like that was a huge part of my upbringing in childhood was kind of that helping others, always caring about others, trying to make, you know, not make, have people be sad, if you will. Like yeah. I always wanted to see everyone happy because uh, I didn't really come from the happiest of households. Um, it was kind of your average household. So it's one of those things, I, and I don't talk a lot about this, but just around being able to, I don't want someone else being in that situation. 
I don't want someone else being unhappy. Um, so how can I help them in whatever way, whether it's just listening, whether it's sharing advice, whether it's giving direction in one way or another, who knows, but that's why the one word navigator, um, is kind of what we defined as my uh, one word. So anyways, that was a lot of tangents there, but as usual. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just made that post the other day about trying to think about my word for 2020. I had never done that before until this year because I thought that, uh, kind of, again, going back to long-term goals, I was like, why would I pick a word, you know, for January that I might not resonate with in August? To me, that seems yeah. like such a commitment, which is funny because it's like, it's really not. It's, yeah. You could change your word. Well, you really and what, well, what Rich talks about a lot is that, you know, like if you look at the best brands in the world, mm-hmm. they all have really one word that defines them. Like we use the example a lot of like Sarah Blakely, right? With Spanx, right? Her, her word is confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, she's instills confidence and it look in every line of, uh, whatever she's doing right from that standpoint it's to exude confidence and the the folks that buy um her material right her her um apparel is you're exuding confidence to them so like all these all these different brands have really one word that defines them and that becomes it kind of wraps around with this north star thing i've talked about a lot is it starts defining your north star where you want to go if you kind of know your one word it allows you to kind of go forward so Anyways, Rich is a cool dude. So uh, yeah, that's really cool. It's been it's been cool working with him on some stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Which you know you talked about navigating and and being able to go through some of these hard situations and come out the other side a little bit more positive. And I was reading on your uh, website and I think your social media too about um, your your renaissance period, so to speak. Which yeah. when was that kind of in your in your life and what what was going through that like? Because I think as a listener or or just, you know, kind of an onlooker, it's, it's, it makes it seem so simple when people go through hard things and then they come out the other side positive and, and like, oh, that happened for me, you know? And it's like, yeah, of course we want to think that, but when you're in the thick of it, it really sucks. And it's really hard, at least from my own experience. So what was going through that period like, like when was that and and how did you get through it and come to the other side, more positive and more full of light? Yeah. I mean, and one of the things I've been fortunate where I've always, I've always been a glass half full guy. Sure. Um, so I think that was, that's part of it, right? I've always been positive and optimistic about the world. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of good people in the world and I think people have good intentions and, you know, I, so anyways, I've always had that kind of outlook on life. Um, but having said that, what, what I noticed was, so uh, I'm 36, right? So I'm, I'm old, I think I'm a little older than you. Um, but so, you know, being 36, I've, I've went through my twenties and, and had that period. Right. But I kind of went through what you're supposed to do in life. You're told, right. You go to college, get a degree, get a you know, job, start working that, you know, find someone, get married, have kids, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll hold the perfect picture, right. The perfect Disney, uh, fairy tale. Um, but what I realized was, and this is again, starting that reflection, I don't, I don't know the exact time I say about five years ago, but let's say it was right around probably when I turned 30, maybe I was getting into like some midlife stuff <laughs> crisis. Um, but I started to realize I just, my son was born, um, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. So I think part of that was looking back on like, okay, I have to raise this kid. <laughs> like, what am I going to instill to him? What stories am I going to tell him? Is he going to be proud of his dad? Like, I think I just had a lot of reflection uh, period of that. 
of like, what, you know, where do I want to take my life in my thirties? And when I look back on, uh, by the way, this is going to be a long story probably. So I'll, I'll temper right. everyone. Um, <laughs> but what I realized was when I look back at childhood, I was extremely curious and I had a tremendous work ethic and what, and that was through a variety of things that was through, like, I used to, I had a paper out when I was like 11 years old. Like I, my brother and I, when we, we talk about this a lot is like, you know, our parents and right, wrong or indifferent, you know, maybe it worked out, helped us out. Like they didn't give us anything for like, if I want to buy golf clubs or playing a golf tournament or anything like that, like I had to pay for myself. And I think that was, a, it was a good lesson then I hated yeah. it then, but it was a good lesson for now, um, to learn. But, um, anyways, so I had some, obviously a lot of great work ethic. I'd practice golf like four hours a day. Like I, w I don't, I didn't mind going through that. And I was always very curious about the world as well. Just kind of how things worked, how things, you know, but I don't know what happened. It's not that I, I'd stop that, but like when I was in my twenties, I felt like I didn't do anything like that. Not that my work ethic was bad, but I certainly was kind of cashing it in, if you will. Like I was kind of just like, just going through the motions um, kind of showing up. I wasn't putting as much extra time as I probably should have as I look back at various things. And then my curiosity just stopped. Like I wasn't asking as many questions. I wasn't, I didn't have that imagination that I always had. So when I look back and reflected, I said, dude, you got to do something about this because when you get to 40, you know, in 10 years, like, are you going to be in the same position and be pissed off, be complaining, be whatever? So I just made a, I made a, a determined effort that I'm going to make a switch. And that was through a variety of thought. Like here, here's a funny story. You'll, you'll laugh at this, but I hate flying. Okay. Or, or let me, let me rephrase that. I hated flying that has changed. So I used to be scared. Do you like flying? <laughs> I'm laughing because I used to hate flying as well. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I hated flying. Like I would be the one like holding yeah, both of the, you know, thing. Like, oh my God. I've like refused um, to go places in the past. Yeah. Yes. Me yeah. too. I would make excuses and I go just so I'd have to fly. Yeah. But then something weird happened. I decided to go on Google one day and search how flying happens. This sounds funny, but it's true. It doesn't. Cause and I said, <laughs> what's that? I said, it doesn't sound funny. Cause I've done it. <laughs> okay. So like I looked at, I looked at, um, you know, how pilots fly the plane, what is lift and drag and all this stuff. And after a few hours of research on that, I came to the conclusion. I said, dude, these people do this for their career every single day. And then when you look at the stats of like the, the actual chances of a plane crashing and all this stuff, I said, whoa, it's way, way safer than you're giving it credit for. It's so amazing. The next time I got in a plane, I was just calm and yeah. I'm pretty much like that. I certainly, obviously there's turbulence, right? You kind of look out the window and, yeah. but for the most part, like it doesn't even bother me. It doesn't phase me anymore because I got gained additional knowledge. Right. And that was the starting period for me of like, what are other things? This is how I changed, you know, my nutrition a lot. Not that I ate horribly. I was in decent shape. Um, but I wasn't in as good shape I thought I could be. And again, how is that going to uh, muster up to putting on five or 10 years or 15 years as, a, as your, your human body? What is that going to look like when I'm 35, 40, 45? So I made changes. So I started to really um, basically look at the world. And it, uh, Mark Twain has a great quote that says, when, basically, when, you're, when you start to get on the side of the majority, you need to pause and reflect. Mm. and something along those lines. And that's one of those things where I was like, 
you know what? Everyone's doing it this way. Is that the right way? Right. So I decide to make a shift. Now, if I can, can I keep going? A couple other things I want to mention. This is it. (laughs) Um, Is, uh, so two other things. So one is, I think it's important to have a support system. I felt I didn't have a great support system. You know, I don't, again, I don't talk about this too openly, but a little bit, you know, I wasn't in a, a great relationship, marriage, you know, and once that um, ended, um, that changed, you know, over the last year, year and a half, that's been incredible change for me. Um, and no one offense for her. She's a, she's a, she's a good gal and, and, and we get along very well. Everything's very amicable. Um, and we take care of our son. We both have a, a, a great, um, you know, where we want him to be. But at the same time, I felt I wanted to do different things in life uh, than she did. And it just, you know, that's just how things are. And once I kind of had that a different outlook that way, that changed. But at the same time, if I even turn back the clock even further, I talk a lot about Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of what I call virtual mentors out there. Gary, I have to say, is probably the first. I uncovered him, his stuff in like 2011. I mean, that's like eight years ago. Yeah. I look back now, it's like crazy. But he was one of those guys. And, and what I love about Gary, he's changed a lot over the years and his stories change and his, you know, you know, kind of what he says. But is that same outlook of like, wait a minute, you can do something different. You can do something on your own. And if you believe in yourself and if you feel that you can, again, give value to the world and you can give back to the world as you want, that was one of the first times for me back when I think it was like Inc 500 or some keynote or whatever I watched. And I remember I was like, man, this is, this is different. And what it did, it was like a weird, so going back all the way to circling your question of like, what was the point? What was the avenue? Like there wasn't an exact point, but these small little things that happened um, kind of in a similar time frame over a, a year or two period that really propelled me of like, wait a minute, I could do things a lot different. This is not how life needs to be. Yeah, I could make it better for myself, for my son. I could make it better uh, for the world and I can impact the world. So I think having not only mentors, right, in terms of physically that you can talk with, but I think virtual mentors that you could really... Um, not latch onto, but look at, Hey, this is what they've done. These are some of the stories that they have, some of the messages. And then how do I take a little chunks here and there and ultimately kind of spill that into my own, you know, my own life. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long, there's so many good things in that though. Probably more in there, but I'll (laughs) stop there. So many good things in that. Well, and it's an interesting, I mean, the thing that I want to pull out the most is it's an interesting process when you start to realize that nothing has to be the way that it's been. So once you acknowledge that you don't have to think the same way that you've always thought, and you don't have to do things the way that your family did, and you don't have to look the way that you do now or feel the way that you do now, it's like this very scary, intimidating rabbit hole. Because once you acknowledge that, it's like everything's up for grabs. Everything's up for change. And change is scary. you know. But once you realize that you don't have to be scared when you go on an airplane, it's like, well, what else do I not have to fear? You know, and it's like, then you start to feel better about yourself because you start taking care of yourself and you're like, well, what else could I feel better in? You know, and then you have a great support system and then you're like, well, maybe I could also have a great relationship. And it's just this really small, you know, for some people, I think maybe it's not small, but, but once you start noticing it in your life, it's a, it's a really small shifts of, 
well, what if this was more fun? What if I enjoyed my job? What if I had a great support system? What if I had mentors, you know, that were free on the internet that I could really dive into? And that's such a cool concept because I went through a very similar when I got into personal growth. You know, what if I didn't have to feel this way? And it's just, I I really want to underscore that because I think that all too often we think that we have to think the way we've always thought or that we are just the way that we are. And while there's certainly some science to support that we're programmed and hardwired in certain ways, um, I think that a lot more is malleable than we think there is. Yeah. And if I can add, that's a, that's a great point. Let me add one thing on top of that, because this will be interesting. This again, it kind of circles back to what we're talking about with the short and long-term goals and thinking. I would encourage everyone don't do it if you're driving and listening to this, Mm -hmm. but when you have, you know, maybe, you know, 10 minutes or something later today, tomorrow, sit and just close your eyes and visualize where you'd like to be in a couple of years. Whatever that is, whatever picture comes to mind, you could be sitting on a beach, you could be, you know, doing whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Visualize that, right? And where you'd like to be. And then here's the, here's the next step though. You can't stop there. What are some action points that you could potentially do to start you on that path there. Mm-hmm. I, this is something that's fascinating to me. I never did this when I was a kid, right? But I imagine if I closed my eyes when I was like 14, it'd be like, Brian, what do you want to be when you grow up type thing? And I'd close my eyes, right? And I'd probably want to be a professional golfer, right? And at that time, and I look back and I'm like, okay, but I didn't go through the steps. I didn't, I wasn't tournament tested. I always had challenges when I got into tournaments under pressure, my swing would break down. And I learned that now. But if I got into more tournaments and was able to get tested like that and, and work on the swing and get it better and better and better, my short game was always phenomenal. But it was my full swing that kept me from really achieving more success. So if I knew that, like this is where I want to go, what are the steps to achieve that? Yeah. I might have had a different path. The reason I bring this up, I've actually never said this. I've, I've been on a few different podcasts. I've talked on my own. I've never actually told this piece of the story. Uh, but I'll tell it now. So let me, let me share a little bit for folks that don't know. So the Just Get Started podcast, the reason it started is because I had said I wanted to start a podcast for two years prior to actually executing on it. And I talk about Adam Martin. He's got a great podcast called Makers of Sport for like designers and creative folks. Um, it's actually a phenomenal podcast. A lot of great folks on there. But I met Adam at a conference in 2015 told him, Oh dude, I'm going to start a podcast. He was this big podcaster. We had a good chat. A year later, I saw him at the same conference did not Mm. podcast. I hadn't started yet. And I said, Oh, I'm going to do it next year. I'm going to get it going. I saw him at the same damn conference, Mm. a third year, 2017. And he's like, dude, you the podcast. I'm said, I'm doing it. I'm starting it. And you're going to be a guest. And, and Chris Garcia, who started the, you know, the MLC connect conference, I said, you're going to be a guest as well. And they both been guests on now. Uh, in, in the podcast. The reason I bring up that story is I did this visualization. I remember sitting, and this is when I actually started getting a meditation around 2017, but I had sat and I visualized kind of where I want to go with stuff, you know, what I want to do going forward at that time. And what I ultimately said to myself, the biggest challenge most people have that I've talked with, because I had this exact challenge, was the fear of doing something because of what other people would think of them if they failed, how would that, how would that look to the world? And once I overcame that and I realized, wait a minute, if I do nothing, so this is a great point, right? Whenever we're recording this, I've done 81 episodes of my podcast. I mean, kudos to you, you've done, I think 35 or 36, right? Mm -hmm. So the 81 episodes, 
And I look back now, and if I never had that tough talk with myself and really that visualization of where I want to go someday and never said, I'm going to take the step to do this and go through the struggle and overcome that fear, well, you and I wouldn't have met. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I talked about next gen earlier. Like I never would have introduced to, to Justin Lafazan, who was a co-founder of that. I've met so many incredible people through that community. Um, I look at all these different avenues that have happened over the last two years, whether they lead to anything or yeah. not. It's the fact that I was able to open this whole new world that never existed back in 2017. And yeah. now we're here at the end of 2019 and it exists and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And it's, you know, um, as you can see now, I'm like smiling saying it because it's like so freaking awesome. But if I didn't take that step and overcome my fear, not worrying about what would happen, you know, Seneca has a great quote. We suffer most often in imagination and reality. It's probably right. my, one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. Like I got over the worry in my head of what would happen, what would people say, whatever. And I just said, screw that. I'm going to go ahead and do this and we're just going to figure it out as we go along. Yeah. So the re anyways, I wanted to go back to that because I think it's valuable for a lot of people is like this first step is the hardest mm -hmm. and it is hard to overcome. But if you want to do something different and better in your life, whether that's a job, whether that's fitness, whether nutrition, whether just to be a better parent, I don't know. You have to put the first steps forward to actually go in that process. And if you don't, you're going to be in two, three years, five years, whatever is down the road in the same position you're at today. Yeah. And really it's no one to blame but yourself. Because I, I had to look in that mirror and say the same thing. If I, if I was 2020 and I hadn't started the podcast or done anything, I would have probably been in the same boat I was back then Yeah, and been like, okay, this is my life. I guess this is what it's going to be, you know? Right. No, that's such a good point. Well, and to piggyback on that, going from zero to movement is the hardest step. So I would even argue that taking the moment to visualize what you want your future life to look like could even be harder than the first action step because going from no self-awareness or very low self-awareness to a heightened level of self-awareness, I think can be really hard for some people because it's, I think it's much easier to go to the grocery store and say that you want to eat healthy than it is to sit down and write why it is that you want to be healthier and, and like really get to the root of that. And so to, to piggyback on what you said, I've done a visualization. Rachel Hollis does it at all her conferences. Um, and it's where you visualize your life like 10 years from now. And she gets really granular with it. It's like a 10 minute visualization. And I remember before doing the visualization, thinking to myself, I don't want to do this because I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. You know, I, had, I don't know what I'll be doing for work or what that profession looks like. So I was like, I don't really want to do this because I don't know what I'm going to visualize. But then I like went along with it. And I didn't visualize anything with work. I pictured like this house that I was living in and, and partners and kids and like, and much more personal things. And what that noticed for me was, wow, when I think of what I want my life to be 10 years from now, it's not so revolved around work. Like I actually really enjoy my life and it's not just what I'm doing professionally. And I'm in a space that I feel safe and comfortable and welcome. So with that information, I made more of an investment in time, energy, and money to make my space, my physical space, more enjoyable. So even though it's not this huge action step of like, I'm going to go change my job because 10 years from now, I saw myself doing this. It was just this little granular like, wow, you know, 10 years from now, I really appreciated the physical space I was in. How can I appreciate the physical space that I'm in more right now? So that goes back to your action step. But I would argue that going from zero to awareness is like, this big leap. And then once you start getting a little more comfortable with that level of awareness, 
the action steps I, I feel like come a little bit easier. That's a cool point in the visualization. And, and uh, yeah, cause I think it is not just all, we always go back to work or like yes. career, but yeah, I think there's so many greater things yeah. in life that you can do other than that. Why do you think, why do you think we, we don't take that first step? Ooh, What's your thought on it? It's like the big question, right? I think I have my idea. I circled. I, when you said it, I wrote it down here. I'm just curious your thoughts. My initial thought is that, and I probably could spend time thinking about a more eloquent way to say this after this podcast, but I'll just spit out what I have is that I think creating a life that is exceptional is scary because there's a lot more at risk being complacent, being content, being comfortable is exactly that it's comfortable. It's not exhilarating. It's not exciting, but, but with no exhilaration and excitement comes no fulfillment, uh, comes no failure, comes no, looking dumb, any of those things, right? So I'm going to interrupt you. you <laughs> look, look what I wrote. Write down the same thing. Look at that word. Regret. Regret. Ooh. Similar what you're talking about. Yes. That's crazy. And I, yep. I just think that it's like, we can kind of pretend it, it's like, if you're somebody that's not so good talking about your feelings, which is a lot of us, right? You throw yourself into work, you throw yourself in other things. So you can avoid that thing in the closet and not have to talk about it. Well, if you have this exceptional life in the closet, you can kind of pretend that it's not available to you and you can keep doing what you're doing because doing what you're doing is comfortable. It's not scary. It's, it requires no risk. It doesn't require a lot of hard work. It requires whatever you're doing right now. And I think that people would rather be complacent than step into the unknown and be exceptionally fulfilled. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, like I said, I think it's, you know, I wrote the word regret, but it's like, yeah, you don't have to face that right. because then if you, if you, if you say, Hey, this is what I want to do, or this is what I want to be or whatever. And you don't put the steps forward. You have to look back and be like, shit, I didn't do that. Yeah. And it, that's a, that's a tough feeling to Calling have. Calling your shot is not always fun because sometimes yeah. you're not going to make the shot. And some people would rather just sit on the bench and be like, other people can play and I'll just watch, but I'm happy. And you know what? Maybe some people are, would rather just be content and that's fine. But I think a lot of people could be happier and more fulfilled than they are and are yeah. just subconsciously too afraid. Yeah. Well, I think that's, and, and that's really with, I think both of our podcasts, you know, we're trying to do is like, you know, Hey, where's the message that, you know, or, or what is the message, right. Um, that you could share with folks and try to get them. I mean, that's why I do the podcast is yeah. like, I don't know the first thing. Like I'm learning as I go, right? And I'm having these great guests on that have been through stories, have tried things, have you know tasted and fig you know figured it out, and they're still going through it. They don't, they don't have all the answers either. But with the hope of that, this motivates you know one person to say, "Gosh, you know what? My life is where it is today. I don't want to be in the same life tomorrow. What can I do to make it better? Right? Wow. What What is the one thing I could do? Whether that's again family, whether that's fitness, whether that's work, all the above, whatever." What is one thing I could do? So that that's the whole point. I think you're in a similar mindset too, yeah. especially with nutrition stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just think that there's so many opportunities available to people and there's never been more opportunities available than there is right now. And that'll, that cycle will probably continue. And so to feel stuck, to feel just less fulfilled than you could, I think is a disservice to all of the people that could help you, could support you, all of the information that's out there, all of the content that's out there, all of that. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. How did you, so one of the things for 
just get started listeners and maybe they haven't listened to this, but um, had uh, Lindsay on mm -hmm. Schwartz and, and, and Mary Francis, you know, that's how I got to know you. Oh, that's how I, friends. yes. Yes. How did you get to know them? How did you get involved with powerhouse uh, women yeah. and, and that whole movement? Yeah. So uh, when I was leaving my full-time job to work for myself full-time, that same week was the first powerhouse women event. And I was following this woman, her name was Casey and she was a nutritionist. And really it just, her feed was beautiful. It looked like she was helping tons of people. She was really kind of this aspirational virtual mentor of like, that's what I want to be doing. So I found her on Instagram, started following her. She said she was going to be speaking at the event. And I was like, oh, it's in Scottsdale. It's an event for women entrepreneurs and self-starters. I have no friends that are entrepreneurs and self-starters <laughs> and I'm new to this community. Maybe I should go meet some people. And what might come as a surprise to some people is I definitely struggle with social anxiety. So I really didn't particularly want to go, but I felt like I should. And so I did. And it was super transformative for me. Like the idea that there could be a hundred plus women in a room that weren't speaking negatively of each other and weren't keeping secrets, but were rather collaborating and cheering for the same things and trying to help each other was mind boggling to me. Um, and I, I just knew I wanted to be a part of that. So I, befriended Lindsay. I mean, really, she had no say in the matter. I, I befriended Lindsay. I remember uh, chatting with Mary briefly then, but then just as I got more involved with that group, um, I went to the second one. And then I, this past year was the third one. And I got to actually speak. Uh, I had a 20 minute speech at this powerhouse women event, which was a really cool, to, you know, having gone the last couple of years. And uh, Mary and I are in a mastermind together. And if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner and you're not in a mastermind, I can't say enough good things about it. If you can't find one, start one. Um, ours is free. I, I think I know that there's some that are paid, but we just have a commitment to each other. It's five women uh, who meet every month. And, and it's so valuable to meet with people that are in both similar and different spaces as you and, and have kind of a shared purpose of talking about how to uplevel your business. Um, so I met Mary through that and through Powerhouse Women. And that's how I got involved with uh, both of those. How was that first speaking gig? Yeah. Oh, man. It was how did you prepare for it? Talk about self-limiting beliefs. Um, I so when I first prepared for it, I wrote word for word a speech that I thought made me sound smart and like I knew what I was talking about and had quotes and I pulled from books and podcasts and all the things. And it was so dry and so boring. And I actually went to lunch with a friend who is a she's a keynote speaker for a living. Um, and I, and I, she just happened to ask, how are you feeling about the speech? You know, cause she was going to be at the event and I said, oh, it's, it's fine. You know, I don't know that I'll ever feel ready, but it's fine. And she's like, well, I'll listen to it if you want. And this is like a week out. And, uh, she's like, I'll listen to it if you want and like give you some feedback. And my first reaction in my head was like, don't change anything. It's, it's like a week out. Why are you going to change something? But then I was like, you know, I should be open. Like maybe she'll help me make it better. So I was like, sure, that would be awesome. So I went to her house ran through my speech and she is um, a great speech coach. Her name's Tane Griffin and she is loving and honest and was like, this isn't you. Like this is you compiling resources from other people. It doesn't show your personality. It's not exciting. Like, and you know, she said it in a very nice way, but basically that was the gist. So we scratched the whole thing and started over and I was really proud of what I had on that stage, but it's because it was me and it was talking points and not word for word. And it was things that got me excited and I knew would get other people excited. Um, so it was definitely a really challenging experience. I actually did a podcast on it, on like what I learned um, and some of the big speaking tips that I you know, could offer to people that helped me 
um, because it was a really like transformative experience. What, what was the biggest takeaway from it? Oh, the biggest takeaway. There were so many good things. It's a broad question, I know. So yeah. I got to make you pick one. Just one. Mm. There's so many good ones. The one I'm going to go with, because I feel like it's the most applicable, is having a call to action that makes sense for what you actually want to happen. And what I mean by that is my speech was on systems. And so what I love doing is talking with entrepreneurs and small business owners about where they could improve the systems in their business. And systems might be the way you're spending your time, the way you're spending your energy, your money, what, you know, how stressed you are. And it doesn't have to be like your physical software system. Um, and so I love talking to people about that. And so my call to action was, you know, text this number to set up a free consultation with me to chat about your system and how I could help you. And while of course that turns into great business for me, really it was lending itself to helping them. I'm offering free value in the form of my time and expertise, but it also lends itself directly to what I love doing. You know, my first call to action was, um, I was going to have a text number where it was like, text this and get my book list of like my favorite personal growth books. Cause to me, I was like, here, here's value. Here's all the books you should read. But that doesn't do nearly as much for somebody as getting on the phone with them for 20 minutes and talking about where they can improve their business. Um, for, for both parties, it helps them and I really enjoy it. So my biggest takeaway would be have a call to action that actually results in like what you want to happen from that speech. Yeah, that's, that is tremendous advice. Cause I think you want to walk away at least having something that, yeah. you know, there's that connection point going forward. Totally. Right? Totally. Did, have you ever, did you speak ever, anytime before that? Or was that your first actual like on stage in front of people? That was the first biggest one. Like I, I like did a, the fifth grade dare thing and I did like student council stuff in middle school. Um, like I've done small, smaller things. Uh, but that was the first one. I mean, there was over 300 people in the room. That was the biggest one I've done so far. Did your, I guess, fitness competitions and stuff, did that help you be less nervous up there or? No. Um, but the reason I think is because I didn't feel like me when I was doing fitness competitions. Like you're so made up and tan and like half naked and it doesn't feel like this is Presley stepping on stage. It's like, here's some alter ego of this person that I've starved mm -hmm. and tried to show up as like the tannest, sparkliest version of myself. Um, so I don't necessarily feel like that helped. I was, which I can't say a ton about it, but I was on a TV show this summer that hasn't aired yet. Um, it'll air mm -hmm. early next year. And I think that that helped because there's like cameras in your face all the time and you have to just be yourself. And it, and it was reality. It's not uh acting or anything, you know? So I do feel like that definitely helped, which everybody can't go be on a TV show. So that's probably not super sound advice, but. <laughs> hey, nothing you can share though. Yeah. You, know, you like, you sign, <laughs> was, you sign uh, the non, whatever yeah, it's called. I know, right? It was a, uh, a confidentiality food, agreement food uh, competition show is probably all I can say without getting in okay. trouble, but it, but uh, we'll be allowed to post it early next year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's definitely share that out for you. That's uh, that's pretty Thanks. neat. It's a, uh, it's exciting. Awesome. Cool. So tell All me right, what else I'm, I'm looking yeah. at some stuff here. I want to pry into on, but I know the, one of the things I want to ask is, um, cause you touched on it is the dozen months of discovery. So what, uh, is that if somebody doesn't know, and what are some of the things that you have planned for the first couple months so far? 
Yeah. So uh, I'm starting this January 2020 called the Dozen Months of Discovery. And it was something actually I was going to try a year or two ago. But again, going back to the fear and, you know, excuses and stuff that sometimes happen. Um, And I was in a different part of my life. Uh, But like I said, now I'm in a a different spot where I feel like, hey, this could be, you know, something cool. And the reason I'm doing it, just to kind of say that first, is like, I want to continue to be curious, right? That's, That's a big part, the learning, the knowledge. So what are some things I could try and gain experiences on so that, Um, it ultimately one helps me in different endeavors in life, but two, it gets me outside my comfort zone and allows me to learn a little different um, than I'm learning now. And ultimately made me get to think, Hey, how, how can I um, ask better questions on the podcast or how can I do perform a job better or whatever it might be. So being able to go through those uncomfortable experiences could be helpful. So I'm going to document that journey. Um, I'm going to, the goal is to start this new podcast. Um, Just get started. still going to be around but also have the dozen months of discovery where I'm kind of talking through this journey. So every month for 30 days or 29 in February or 31 other months, right? But basically for a month will be um, one experience, if you will. So for instance, uh, January is going to be a digital detox. So I will not be on you know, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook for the month of January going to be challenging. Um, but that is going to be the goal. And, um, I'm going to go through that process of, you know, like I'll, I'll do like an episode prior of like, Hey, here's what it's about. Here's what I'm going to do. And then ultimately I'll be recording the podcast during that month. Even though I can't be on social, I'll still post it. Right. Cause yeah. I don't need to be on social to do that, but I'll still do it. I, the goal is I haven't mapped it fully out, but it's basically going to be like once a week or maybe once every two weeks, like just document, Hey, how are things going? Right. Am I still alive? Um, and then February right now is, is a month full of stretching. So fitness is a big part of my life. And one thing I've learned from doing CrossFit for two years is I've gained a lot of weight, gained a lot of muscle. Like I've done a lot of kind of accomplishments, but I think to get to the next level, I have to be able to perform movements better without injury. And I think having, uh, more flexibility, um, frankly, right, is going to be better for me. So I'm kind of putting this idea of like, Hey, I'm going to do, what if I did a month straight of stretching every single day for one hour, where could I be from the beginning of February to the end of February? And how could that ultimately change, um, kind of, you know, how my body works, if you will. Yeah. Um, March is going to be, I'm going to learn Spanish. So that'll be interesting. Uh, cause I failed Italian in high school. So we'll see how that goes, <laughs> but I'm going to, again, try some different things, um, of like, how can I learn Spanish throughout that month? every yeah. single day practicing and, and I'll, I'll share some of the te- techniques. So I'm, I'm talking through some different things. I'm going to do like a, a, a one around like plastic zero or like try and do um, eliminate plastic or at least be aware of what I'm doing with plastic and document that. Yeah. So that's, that's basically a dozen months of discovery um, in a nutshell is basically documenting that journey. Um, and, uh, and ultimately I don't know where that'll lead. You know, I, I may comprise all that, put it in a book. I've thought about, will I continue the podcast on the next year and actually interview people? Cause I love the interview style and interview people that have done similar things, um, have accomplished certain, you know, maybe goals or learned certain things yeah. and maybe their story. And, and really the bottom line, it goes back to what I mentioned before, kind of being, you know, that, that one word of like navigator is like, how can I basically prove to people that, no, no, if you want to do something and you put your mind to it, you can absolutely achieve it. It's not going to be easy. 
It's not, you know, the roads are going to be, you know, unpaved, but you could absolutely do it. So whether that's you want to learn the ukulele or you want to, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, right? You want to run a, a you know, a, you know, half marathon. Okay, how do I go and actually yeah. do these things and put the time in to do it? So that's really the ultimate goal. That's awesome. I think that's so exciting. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm excited because it's, it's just one of these things to keep going and to figure out what's the next thing that I could try, test, kind of figure out. Yeah. Um, to, to ultimately continue to move forward, I guess, with what I'm doing. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really exciting. And I know I was giving you some ideas before we hopped on. I'm sure I'll be thinking about that the rest of the day. You did give, yeah, you did. You had a couple of good ones here. I wrote down with the charitable everyday giving and stuff like that. There's some good ones here. Which, uh, interview, I I don't know how to do interview someone every day. I'm still thinking of that. That'd be kind of cool though. It would be, even if it was like a single question or something, you know, where you like, went and out and met people, you know? Yeah. That'd be cool. I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see. I'm trying to map out the whole 12 months yeah. prior to January. We'll see if I actually get to that point. Yeah. Uh, but at least I have the first like four months. So that'll give me enough runway. To, right. Uh, to get keep started. Moving forward. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, Oh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you mentioned uh, realizing the need for flexibility after starting CrossFit. What was it like to start CrossFit in your mid thirties? Um, I appreciate bringing up the age again. Um, <laughs> well, and I only do because I know, I know that there's so many people that I've come across. I'm, I coach part-time at a CrossFit gym and I've been in CrossFit for a handful of years now. And so many people come in and are like, I've never done anything like this. I'm 35 and feel like I'm past my prime. Everybody in here is 20 something, you know? And so to kind of speak to that audience, I'm really curious what it was like. Cause yeah. it, it was different when I, you know, I started when I was 21 or 22 uh, which yeah. is a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, one CrossFit has been probably the one of the most life changing things, um, for me, it's been unbelievable, um, for a couple of reasons. So as I said, I've always been a, a pretty good athlete for the most part. I've been, you know, quote unquote in shape. Right. I mean, um, I've never been like, you know, morbidly obese or anything, I guess to say it like that. Right. And, but for me, it's always been tough, like putting on muscle, right? Being, you know, kind of a slender frame, right? Putting on muscle and figuring out how to eat properly and those type of things. So I was doing beach, you know, beach body is right. Mm-hmm. Tony Horton and P90X and yep. all that. Yep. So I did that for a long time, probably for six years oh, wow. or so. Um, and I did various programs. And, and by the way, I mean, for people that are trying to get in shape and stuff like that might be a good starter. If you do nothing, like do beach body, the Tony Horton, Sean T, all those guys and gals. Um, but so that was, that was good for me, right? 30 minutes. I can kind of do that versus working, but I got to a point and this was probably, this is actually in 2017, 2017 was a big year um, <laughs> where I started, I realized like, uh, you know, where do I want to, again, going back to like, where do I want to be in my forties and fifties and sixties? If I'm lucky to make it there, right? Where do I want to be fitness wise? Do I want to be like, you know, crawling to get in bed or do I actually want to be doing somersaults right down the street? And I wanted to do the latter, right? So I said, okay, what are the opportunities here? Well, my brother had done CrossFit and, and, and a good friend of mine had, uh, and they had talked a lot about it and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this could be a next thing. But you, the stigma of CrossFit right. was the first thing I thought of, right? There's all these, you yep. know, you're moving around big weights and it's always, you know, everyone's jacked up and whatever. That's not the case, right? I mean, you certainly have phenomenal athletes, 
but a lot of it's regular people that are trying to just get in shape. And there's so many modifications that you can do to each exercise. Yeah. Um, so actually I think I took, um, I think it was early December, 2017, where I took my first like CrossFit class. I went with a neighbor, um, who, who goes the same box as me. And, and then I've officially started, I think at the end of January of 2018 or yeah, the end of January, 2018. Um, so it's been almost two years, right? Yeah. And it's been phenomenal. So for folks out there that are maybe mid thirties, want to do something different. Um, it, it does a couple of things. One is you build muscle density, mu muscle growth, right? Which ultimately helps you later in life because that is important. At some point, your body is not going to make as muscle as much. I don't know. Again, I'm not a scientist or a, a technical nutritionist term. or anything. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't know the correct terminology, but, um, so that's part of it. And then two is the endurance is there with the rowing and running and biking and all these things. And you're in, you know, you have certain AMRAPs and you have certain, you know, time constraints, like you're having to move quick. So that's really built up my endurance as I'll give a, a point here. Like this is something for folks out there like, okay, Brian, great. You did this, that, and the other, whatever, like as an actual con uh, point for folks to take with them last, um, actually right around Thanksgiving last year, my neighbor, um, he, and he does a lot of running and stuff. He's like, Hey, you want to do one of these Turkey trots? Right. And I said, uh, dude, I hate running. Like I did uh, what, what there's a race called the Tar Heel 10 miler, um, in yeah. Chapel Hill where I'm located. And so I did that at like several years back, like just to challenge myself. This is before I started CrossFit to, to do 10, a you know, 10 mile race. Um, and I think I averaged like 11 minutes a mile or something like that. Not great, but not horrible. I finished. Um, so we did this turkey trot. Ended up being like six and a half miles, I think, because they the way the way at least what his watch says. I think they, they the race was it was supposed to be like six point two or something. Yeah. But um, the reason I mention this is without any training, never running more than like a mile or so. Like you know, you, if you do Murph or something like that, you might run a mile or two maybe during the the workout. No training. I was able to keep a nine minute pace with him. Uh, for the entire six and a half miles. That's awesome. Just by doing CrossFit. So just, it's not just about lifting weights. It's really about your endurance, breathing, those type of things. Yeah. Um, and by the way, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, maybe why you stick with the river. I think the community is phenomenal. 100%. I can't speak more highly. I don't know, maybe every gym's not like this, but Man, oh, CrossFit RTP that, that I yeah CrossFit RTP that I go to here, um, which is in Durham, right, right across the the Wake County border in Durham County. Um, unbelievable people. Yeah. I mean, really, some of the most awesome people that I've ever met in my life. Everyone, there's so much camaraderie. They're always cheering you on. They're always asking how you're doing, and that's one of the reasons that probably I keep going as well. It's like you always feel excited to go to see people, yeah. but to also kind of like get pushed for because they're not going to let you say like, you know, Oh yeah, take this one off. No, they're going to push you one more, right. Brian, let's go. Yeah. And it helps you get to your goals. So a hundred percent. I don't think uh CrossFit's very fun out by yourself. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's way better with the community and having come from a sport like bodybuilding where you are alone and it is every woman or man for themselves. And um, that was, definitely the biggest game changer for me. And my, my core group of best friends, uh, which is four other women, um, I met them all at my CrossFit gym. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I go to CrossFit Magna uh, in Phoenix and I was at a different CrossFit gym before that. Um, and, and I didn't have the same community 
Um, and I didn't really realize that, you know, it's kind of like you don't know what you don't have until you see it. it. I didn't realize that that was such an important aspect. I was really at the time just looking for something to do other than bodybuilding because I was driving myself nuts doing that. And uh, my boyfriend at the time was, was big into CrossFit. And so I finally went and tried it and did a class and got my butt kicked and it was very humbling. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll, I'll do this, you know, um, and dove, you know, I got my level one, like three months in and, and drank the Kool-Aid. Um, but then I found this other gym, CrossFit Magna, where the community is exceptional. The coaches are amazing. And uh, once you find that group, um, it's, it's really, really incredible. And just kind of speak to what you said too, about it being so good for longevity. They're definitely just like any business that, uh, you know, has loose regulations or, or doesn't have a lot of regulation, you know, CrossFits are affiliates, which means they get a lot of wiggle room and how they run their gym. So there's a lot of great ones and there's some not so great ones. So if you go to one that doesn't take into account, you know, your age and your fitness level and your health and doesn't provide you with proper scaling instruction or doesn't feel like a super supportive community, you know, I would encourage somebody to not be deterred by that and try a different CrossFit gym. Just like you wouldn't go to one Mexican restaurant and be like, these tacos aren't very good. I guess I'm never eating Mexican again. You know, you would go to a different one. Um, so I hope that that encourages some people too, is the right gym will help you scale things, modify things, support you in the best ways. Yeah. And I think part of it too, I mean, just in general, right. Everyone listening, probably different fitness backgrounds or goals or whatever is first figuring that out. Yeah. Right. Figuring out if you love to run, right. Yeah, I'm not going to deter you from that. If you want to go somewhere else or do whatever, that's fine. If, if your goals are to, again, Hey, I, I just want to, you know, kind of move some weights around and kind of be active every day. If I want to, I gained, remember I talked about the story back when I was 20. Yeah. I, I weighed in when I started CrossFit 170 pounds. Um, later on, I think it was the end of the next, so probably like 10 months later, 12 months later, whatever. Um, I was at 200 pounds. So I gained another 30 pounds yeah. and I just, again, eating like mad, but I also gained a lot of muscle, right? Which I never had. I mean, yeah. but that was again, part of where I wanted to go. Everyone doesn't want, you know, muscles and doesn't want to lift big weights or doesn't want to that. That was important for me again, for longevity, because I thought that muscle capacity is going to help me as I get into the, my, you know, my twilight years. Yeah. Um, well, just <laughs> well, to highlight that, you know, you also, like you said, we're eating everything to try to put that on. Nothing in fitness happens by accident. So you are not, you know, to speak to the women listening, like you're not going to go to CrossFit for a couple months and end up with a six pack. If that's not something that you want guys, you're not going to like get huge biceps and huge quads by accident. If that's not something that you want, all of that takes time and intentionality. And what, what happens more naturally and organically is getting fitter, which means you get stronger, you get better endurance, you know, your heart rate comes down, you know, your resting heart rate comes down, which is really good for you. All of those things happen organically. Whereas the intentionality behind gaining 40, 50 pounds of muscle, the intentionality behind getting lean enough that you can see, you know, every ab on your stomach, all of that uh, is hard to do. <laughs> and, and absolutely it takes thoughtful work and so uh, i wouldn't want somebody to hear you say you know that you gained 50 pounds from crossfit and be like well that's not what i want you know because a well, lot exactly that's why i think i put the time that's right i put the time and effort the reason i'm saying that is if you want those if you yes. want to do certain yeah. things with your body or change absolutely you can but yeah i think that's the big stigma with crossfit is like right. i'm gonna go there i'm gonna get these big shoulders yeah. and big thighs yeah. and you know whatever that's hard. not the case yeah. what's that <laughs> I said, it's hard to get jacked. It's uh, it doesn't yeah. happen overnight and it doesn't happen by accident. 
Yeah. Well, and I think CrossFit's changing the, the stigma CrossFit. They like they're changing a lot. They're changing. They they're trying to get to more of a broader audience of that, which yeah. I think it's a good thing because I see that there's definitely a matrix of different individuals at, at, at the box I go to. And again, it's folks that have never done any fitness before. They've done a bunch and everything in between. And I think the modifications are so important. And that's to your point earlier. You got to get to the right one. They're not, they're right. not all great. Uh, they're not all bad either. I think right. if you get to the right one, uh, it, it's phenomenal in terms of what can be accomplished uh, with your body and kind of where you want to go in the future. So, Totally. Well, and I think that everybody, and I don't normally love blanket statements, but I'll make this one, is that everybody needs to move their body on a regular basis. And there is a way to move your body that you enjoy. So even if you feel like you don't love working out, I, I would argue that you just haven't found the right thing yet. So if you're for, and I'm not saying that I want to go to CrossFit every single day. Like, I, I don't think motivation is sustainable. I don't think that just like the job thing, right? Like you can love your job and not want to go some days, but if you're dreading your workouts or you're not working out at all because you think that you don't like fitness or exercise or, or something like that, I think that you just haven't found the right thing. You know, for you, it might be hip hop class or spin or Pilates or CrossFit or, you know, there's the, the ways that you can move your body is countless. And so if you haven't found a way that you mostly enjoy yet, then I would encourage people listening to keep digging. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair statement. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, go, I mean, just go walk, walk around your block, totally. right? go do something. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we've all been there, right? We've all, at some point you've all had to take that first step. So again, what do you, what, are, what do you want to do to get outside the comfort zone a little bit? And yeah. then ultimately kind of figure it out and, and go from there. Um, I, I think there's some incredible truth to that. So yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> what are you, what are you excited about 2020? Oh, I broke that down as a question for you. Um, wow. Great uh, minds. <laughs> what am I excited about? Um, I am excited to continue with the podcast. Um, that's been a really fun, it started as a passion project and, uh, it's transformed a lot. Originally, it was totally health, healthy lifestyle focused. And as I've transitioned professionally, my podcast has transitioned too. And um, so I'm excited to keep keep working on that because I, I really love it. Um, and I'm also really excited. I'm, I'm looking for avenues and I'm really open to what is calling to me at this time in terms of what my next step is professionally. I really love everything I'm doing, but what I would think I would love even more is putting all of my eggs in one basket. I've definitely always been like a try a bunch of things kind of person. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I have 18 businesses and 14 passion projects and, and all of these things going on, which is awesome. It keeps things exciting, but I would really love to see personally and professionally what happens when I go all in on one thing. And I'm not sure what that thing is yet. Um, so I'm just in a really cool season of being inquisitive and I'm uh, with Mary Francis, who we talked about earlier, her and I are working on some cool ideas and, and putting together a YouTube channel to put out some content, just to kind of like get feelers out there for the things that we enjoy talking about. You know, the podcast is a great avenue to do that. So I'm really excited to go into 2020 really open to what seems interesting and appealing to me to explore on a much more deep level than uh, just trying it and then, you know, moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And you don't have to have it all figured out. That's okay. No, that's like, man, if I learned anything this year, I feel like that's, that's a big one is, you know, you can, you can change, you can grow and nobody cares and it doesn't make you a failure. 
And I think it's way cooler to try a bunch of different things than to do something you don't love forever. Yeah, that's <laughs> damn right. <laughs> okay, so now back to you. What are you excited about? Oh, gosh. Well, we talked about the dozen months of discovery, so yes. I would say that. Um, I got a lot of cool things. Um, you know, so first off, I mean, I'm just excited in general for the continued learning and curiosity that I've had, right? It sounds kind of simple, but like, that's one thing for me, like the self-awareness piece has been, I mean, I've, I've learned more about myself this year, probably than in any other year in my life. Um, just kind of going through a lot of different changes, right? As I mentioned a few of those on the, on the podcast, but, um, so I'm just excited to kind of continue to be curious about the world and continue to figure out like, you know, what is there out there that like, I don't know and try to evolve and say, Hey, you know what, maybe I can do this or maybe I can try this or whatever. Um, and just continuing to question what's going on there because there's a lot of things probably I haven't experienced yet. And I, and I maybe will through some of these endeavors, um, that I just want to, uh, kind of figure that out, I guess. So that's, it's kind of a weird thing, but I guess just, just continue to be curious. Um, I think is always important. I would say more kind of stake in the ground type stuff I have. So I wrote this children's book and it'll launch, uh, in the spring next year. And what's really interesting about this, it, if this is not a testament for anyone that again, I'm, I'm nothing special, right. That they could do whatever they want. Remember I told you that whole change period that I had for Renaissance yeah. period, all that. So when my son was born, I wrote a children's book and I wrote, it was probably, I probably wrote, let's, let's call it, you know, 60, 70% of it. Right. Um, at that time. And again, I didn't have a good support system. I didn't, I didn't have the confidence where I didn't feel I could do it. So I shelved it and I took it out early this year and I said, screw that. I'm publishing this damn thing. Um, because I want to write a series of children's book. That's one of the things I want to do about, you know, different topics, but this one is more of a fun one because it's about my son. It's called Luke's first round of golf. So it's about a father and a son, like awesome. the son actually going out and playing his first round of golf and stuff, which ironically funny that, um, my son and I, he, he played his first round, like his own, you know, he's seven years old. He, he played his own ball, nine holes at a par three course, hit his own shots and chipped and putted and everything this year himself. So it's kind of like, cool. a, yeah, it kind of like circles back around. So that working with some illustrators right now, um, and the goal is for that to launch. I, if it's not launched by March 1st, I'm going to be kind of upset with myself. <laughs> uh, you know, something extreme would have had to happen maybe for that not to be launched. So we're tracking pretty well. That's, awesome. uh, I'm just, that's a big thing I'm excited about, um, is, is the book launch. Uh, yeah. Have you ever, uh, done the Enneagram test? Oh, what's that? Have you ever done the Enneagram? Do you know what that is? It's like a, a kind of like a strengths finder, but it's more personal than than a work test. No, I haven't. No. Oh, you totally should do it. Uh, it's like a personality test, basically the Enneagram. Um, I have done personality tests, but I'll. This is different then. Any yeah, there's there's numbers one through nine, and you answer the questions, and it tells you what number you are. And this is probably the millionth podcast that I've been like, I should do a podcast on the Enneagram because I think it's so interesting. So this just reaffirms that I should do that. But uh, it's a cool personality test, and it's uh, really neat to see what it says about you, and it gives you a cool picture in terms of what it looks like when you're operating in healthy zones of your number and when it's not so healthy, and it's just really interesting. But one of them is the investigator, and so I'd be really curious if that was you. What's your number? 
I'm three, which is the achiever, which okay. if anybody knows me, that's not surprising, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it. But some people, like some of my closest friends, I've been like, oh, you're definitely this, you know, and then they take it and, and then they're not. So it can go different ways, but uh, I would be curious if yours was. The, I think there's, there's the investigators for sure in one of them. And then there's another one that has something to do with like curiosity. And so I feel like you'd okay. be aligned with one of those. It, like exactly how, like A-N-Y-A-G-R-A-M? Um, that makes more sense, but it's actually <laughs> E-N-N. E-A-G-R-A-M. If it's not that, it's very close. The okay. E might be might be wrong, but it's definitely E-N-N. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. All right. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to look into it. What else? What you know, I, I don't know. We're we're jamming here for a while. Um I, know. I, I did want to ask you if I can, like about nutrition. Yeah, yeah. It's been obviously it's a massive part of my life, and yeah. I've been I've been in this you know research period for a lot of years on different stuff and what have you. I'm, have you watched Game Changers yet? <sighs> there yeah. is a massive. Have we you heard have the uproar about this? <laughs> oh man, we don't have to get into it. They, by the way, the have you li- like uh, Rogan had oh, Chris oh. Presser on? Have oh, you yeah. listened to that? I'm a big Chris Presser fan. Chris Presser. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah um, me too. Or Joe Rogan. I'll take either one for president. Um, yeah. I did listen to the podcast and, and my soapbox that I'll pull out for a brief moment is that if you are going to watch the documentary, then you should listen to the Joe Rogan podcast or Lane Norton does a a great um, IGTV that talks about game changers. But my point being, you know, the people that made game changers, just like people that make any documentary documentaries cost money. People that do things that cost money have to make money from it for a reason. So you know, the, the gentleman and his wife that made Game Changers have a lot of stake in people going vegan and vegetarian. They, they own a pea protein company. Like they make money when more people eat plant-based. Um, so with that- Well, let's not, I mean, people, and James Cameron, like is a very well-known- Totally, totally. Director, like, I mean, say, that's, I mean, he has a big platform so he can get, he can get a lot of big names. Oh, for sure. In, yeah. But whether, you know, even if you're watching a movie on carnivore, like this is not against plant-based. The point is that documentaries often have an agenda, right? Like it's clearly not a balanced documentary. It's, it's convincing people to stop eating animal products, right? Which is fine. Like I don't have a problem with that, that piece. What I don't like is when people only listen to one side. So that, that's my only argument is if you're going to watch the documentary, then you also should listen to somebody that criticizes the documentary. Just like if you're going to watch something that – supports a carnivore diet, you should also listen to something that doesn't support a carnivore diet. So that's my only thought is that I, what I don't love is when people watch something like Game Changers or um, What the Health or something like that and uproot their lifestyle based on one biased thing when you should take in a lot of information and then make your own informed decision. That would, if yeah. I had to boil my thoughts down, that would be it. I, I would fully agree because this comes back to a lot of stuff that I do from a, from a nutrition standpoint, it's been, again, I don't have a nutrition background. I've worked with nutritionists. I've, I've done so much research though online on on various ends to figure out what works best for my body. Like, so currently, and this is actually interesting. We're talking now about this. Like, so for the last three years, I've been pescatarian. Um, so I've only eaten fish and and obviously vegetables and stuff. I've had meat here and there, right. When needed. Um, but the reason I stopped was animal cruelty, like because of factory farming and all that stuff. But I even um, have had a, a change on that recently where I'm probably going to go back to eating some meat 
but it's got to be ethically uh, raised. Sure. There's got to be a variety of different totally. things with it. Um, and it, cause it's one of those things for me. And this is, this is, I, I think a, a, a huge key. I know we're going to talk about nutrition, but just in general, yeah. um, it's something that I, again, I've had, had a lot of awareness on recently is like, uh, Chris actually talks about this with Joe Rogan about the confirmation bias, right? right. You're always like, you know, whether, and this is, the, we see this in politics, right? If you're oh. a, a you know, Republican, you're always looking at that stuff. If you're a Democrat, you're always looking at that stuff instead of, Hey, what's the best answer? Yeah. And this was something that had been important to me because, it's, and I have a lot of friends and a lot of, um, you know, family members that know I'm pescatarian. So I guarantee when I start saying like, Oh yeah, I'm actually going to start, um, eating some meat again because of this and this, they're going to be like, Oh, I knew you couldn't do it. I you know, right. and all this, like, and again, part of that was if I was, a, this goes back to, I think building yourself up. Like if I was in a different spot, like years ago, I would have, that would, that would affect me. Now I'm at a point where I don't really, it doesn't matter to me because I know what I want for my body and I know yeah. what the answers are. So I think part of that is to be comfortable with yourself. But at the same time, it's, yeah, sometimes you're not wrong. Um, Chris actually, I think, or maybe it was Joe that mentioned this, but you know, it's better to be informed than to be right. Yeah, that's, and, that's Joe's big thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I love listening to him because he's, he's pretty straightforward with it. Yeah. But it being, and I think that's a big key, like knowing both sides of it, then make the determination. No one can totally. fault you. Totally. But, I couldn't agree more. I think that just far too often, you just have to remember that information so frequently comes with a, somebody's profiting off of it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I wouldn't expect there to be nonprofit documentaries all the time on Netflix. You know, it makes sense that there's an agenda. So I, I don't think that that's wrong. What I think is wrong is to uproot your life and do something because you saw an article and a documentary, a friend is doing it um, because it's just not taking consideration for your body and everybody is so different. And if your goals are different or if you're um, you know, I just think it's so important. And, but again, going back to like, it's not sexy to do small wins. It's not fun, particularly unless you're a nutritionist like I am or a health nerd to dive into all the different sides of the argument and then make your own decision. That takes a lot more time and energy. And it's much easier to watch a documentary and be like, Oh, guess I can't eat, eat animals anymore. Like that's a much simpler approach than looking into fact check things and see, okay, what parts have merit, what parts don't and what makes sense for me and, and what I want out of my life and this body that I've been given. So I, I don't blame people necessarily for uh, taking the easy way out, but I just hope that people can acknowledge to make decisions off one, you know, just like if I have a podcast where I talk all about nutrition, you shouldn't listen to my podcast and change your whole nutrition. Go listen to somebody that disagrees with me and then make your own decision. Right. Yeah. Put those all together in a bucket and then start yeah. figuring out, yeah, what's the best uh, route to go on a nutrition standpoint? Like what are, is there certain, and again, I won't say it's like this style or not, yeah, right? Yeah. Cause again, everyone has to make a choice, but is there certain things you're seeing now that are becoming popular because there's a lot of research behind them. Like, Hey, these are some things we didn't know years ago that, you know, we should, you know, we should eat more avocados or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I do think that there's just like they talk about on that podcast. I mean, Chris Kresser's great. If people don't follow him, he's got a lot of great information. Um, I do think that there's more and more support for a balanced diet rather than an all inclusive, like high fat, high carb, know this, know that. I think that science is generally moving towards a variety of foods tends to be the best for a lot of people. But again, I don't love blanket statements. And you know, I've had my own health issues where I've had to be autoimmune protocol and paleo and free of acidy foods. And 
And uh, if somebody is listening to this that has a lot of inflammation, their diet might be different than somebody that has a balanced diet. So I do think that that's moving. Um, I think it's important to stay informed, even on a very basic level of just staying up to date with certain people like Chris Cresser that you could follow. Dr. Andy Galpin's a good one. But you know, things like we used to think eggs were terrible for you and bad for your cholesterol, and that's not true. And we used to think that red meat was awful for you, and that's not true. And um, there's just a lot of things that I think we used to think that aren't true that we, that we know that we've proven. Um, so I think staying informed is really important. And uh, and nutrition science is is a simple yet complicated in that I don't think it's as hard as a lot of people make it, but I do think it's very individualized and it just depends so much on your quality of life, your goals, and, uh, and really taking those things into consideration. What works for somebody doesn't work for everybody. And, uh, I think that's really important to remember. That's a good point. Thanks. Good point. <laughs> my, uh, my approach is very, very balanced. And, uh, I just think that for a lot of people that makes the most sense, but certainly not everybody. Um, and so just knowing, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, and what like the long-term goal is, you know, keto makes sense for some people sometimes and some people, they don't feel good on it and can't do it forever, you know, and that's like a really trendy one right now. So I think just being really self-aware, having the good support, having the education and not going into things blindly, um, I think is really important. I like your point. I think keeping it simplified is so important. Yeah. Take out a lot of the processed food, the sugars, right? I... Don't binge eat. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are simple that you can just, and then sure you could have every once in a while certain things, but you know, try to eat, you know, whole foods, uh, not whole foods, like, you know, I'm talking about like actually like not right. processed, like actual real food. Um, what kind you of can eat at whole foods if you want. Yeah. What kind of branding is it that you say whole foods and we think the grocery store? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, one thing that I do but, want to touch on just before we finish the nutrition piece is that if you don't mind, is uh no no go absolutely. <laughs> is you're that, the expert here. I'm 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 just a I'm just a guy that reads a lot of stuff and listens. Right. Well, hey, that's that's good. Um, which it's actually you know not so nutrition related, but that is, I think that the mental and emotional piece piece or component is more important than ever. And I have had so many clients that I have referred to to counseling or, and whether that's in conjunction with nutrition coaching, or I'll say, take the money you're paying me and please go pay a therapist or, or some variation of that. I just can't stress enough that going back to what you said about childhood behaviors, really impacting your life in a lot of ways. I think so many of us have these thoughts and emotions around food and eating and body image and all of those things mixed together that haven't been worked through. And so I just can't speak enough to, if you are trying diet after diet, or you are really struggling to feel the best in your body and, and don't know what's working for you, that I would actually consider going under the hood and doing the hard work and talking through it. Because it sound, I know that it sounds like not fun to do and expensive and like it's not going to be the thing that's going to make you look and feel better. But I would argue uh, that it is going to be the, the difference maker. And you can only do you know, it's like if you keep changing tires on a car that has a bad engine, like the car's not going to go. Um, so, you know, continuing to try to throw darts at the wall with different diets and different eating approaches, if you're not doing the hard work, um, I don't think you're going to see the results that you want. And so <clears throat> that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is instead of continuing to look for the thing to take out of your diet or add into your diet, like before you buy another supplement, if you haven't looked into counseling or therapy, I think that's what you should do first. 
Cool. What, what, what else should we mic. talk about? Anything else? <laughs> Might drop you. Yeah. Uh, put my soapbox back in the closet for now. Um, that's all I have, really. Uh, what I do want to ask you before I let you go, though, is oh. uh, for people that are listening on my podcast, where can they listen to your podcast? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I was going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the podcast is called Just Get Started. Find it everywhere where your podcasts, you know, are listened to. Uh, Apple, Google Play, et cetera, Spotify. Um, go to my website, brianondraco.com. It's kind of where everything's being housed um, from the podcast or at blog articles. Um, I actually, you talk about CrossFit, like starting it, I actually did a blog. Um, I did it every week for most of the year. And then I think the last few months was just every month or whatever, but I did a CrossFit journey my first year of CrossFit. That's, cool. so that's something if people do want to get inside, just what I was thinking going through my mind, I should go back and read some of those. Probably fun. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, but again, a lot of that different stuff on there. Um, I, I just had a, um, an ebook actually for anyone that wants the podcast. There's so much information out there. There's so many, so many great resources, but for someone that wants to hear my journey of podcasting and maybe some things like some tools I use and some things. So I actually just wrote this ebook called the bootstrappers guide to podcasting. That's also on the website. If they want to uh, download for free, it's like 10, 12 pages. So a little short read. Um, but anyway, so there's a lot of just different stuff on there. Uh, but that's where the, you know, just get started podcast is. And ultimately the, the dozen months of discovery type, whatever, I don't know if I'm going to call it that I might call it something different, but that'll be on there as well. That's awesome. Sweet. What about you? Uh, my podcast is also ava- available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's the Hey Presley podcast and Presley is, uh, just like Elvis only it ends with IE and, uh, yeah, you can get it wherever you get your podcast and HeyPresley.com has all of my ventures the nutrition stuff, the podcast, uh, the small business stuff, all of the things. So I like to end my podcast on, on more of just kind of this philosophical side of it could be a quote you live by. It could be maybe one piece of advice that's been vital to you um, throughout your career, anything. What would be kind of a last piece of, um, you know, maybe it's a recommendation to the folks out there listening. What would you share? Mm, that's a good one to get them started on their own journey or wherever they're at in their life? Yeah, I would say an intentional life doesn't happen by accident and you need to be thoughtful with spending time gaining self-awareness because if you don't have self-awareness of what you want and where you wanna go, whether that's big overarching goals or really short-term things, you are going to keep going in circles and feel like you're not getting anywhere. And it's a lot of wasted energy to feel like you're making pro, you know, hope that you're making progress and not actually see the fruit of that. So I would say you are not going to start taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, making change that, that proves to be uh, beneficial for you without taking the time to do it. It's, it's just like eating well, like healthy food doesn't show up in your fridge by accident, neither does self-awareness. So I would say, literally scheduling time, even if it's five minutes before your kids wake up in the morning to journal, to sit in silent thought and not be distracted by anything. I think uh, we're in a constant world of distraction and being self-aware is the most valuable thing and it's not going to happen by accident. That's mine. Um, My last question for you is uh, what do you believe are the ingredients of a fulfilling life? Oh gosh. What do I believe are the ingredients to a fulfilling life? 
So I think part of it is I'm glad, you know, one, kudos to you. I'm glad you use the word fulfilling and not successful Thanks. because I think success gets it. One, that word gets thrown around a ton Agreed. and what really, what's success, right? What, do you, how do you define that? But fulfillment, I think is our own, you know, in terms of how we consider what is fulfilled and kind of inside ourselves. Um, I mean, I think what I'm experiencing now, could this change in 20 years or 30 years? I don't know. But what I'm experiencing now is, um, having a North star, having something that I'm driving toward. Um, for instance, I'll, I'll share like, you know, kind of my roundabout, my North star. It's really to, um, impact the, um, the younger generation or, or basically the next generation or younger, um, folks out there with an understanding and knowledge, uh, whether it's around health or fitness or just doing things that they want to do in life and being kind of going, going back to what I mentioned, if I had more knowledge and insight when I was younger, maybe that would have you know, changed my path and that curiosity kind of bubbled up around 30, giving people an awareness that, Hey, you could do certain things. You don't have to go on this path that everyone else gives you. Um, so that's basically my North Star. So a lot of decisions I make going forward are around, is it impacting uh, people in a positive way? Is it helping them um, you know, be happy and lead this a different life or at least consider a different life than maybe that they were boxed into based on where they, you know, where they're raised or whatever. Um, and doing it in a very, you know, kind of healthy, um, environmentally friendly, those type of things. That's very important to me, sustainability, stuff like that. So that's kind of where I'm leading. So for instance, if something comes up and I get asked, Hey, Brian, do you want to speak at this oil convention? Or I don't know, just making that up that might, I might say no to that because that right. doesn't really lead to, I don't know, you know, like speaking to 50 year olds about oil doesn't really lead to my North star. So it helps me make yeah. better decisions. If that makes sense. So that was a long winded way, but I think a big part is defining your North star and really, really, I think it's just understanding who you are, right? I, I'm more fulfilled now probably than I ever have because I can have better relationships with people. Not that I didn't have great relationships with people in the past, but I can have better going forward because I actually, uh, I love myself. I've, I've, and it's not, a, it's not a weird thing to say anymore. I think people like get that like, Oh, that's selfish. No, but I actually like really, you know, who I am and who I become and what I believe in. I'm content with that. I'm very happy with that. Um, I, I think I'm a really good person. I have a positive outlook. I care about people. Like those are all things where I believe that are true now, where before I might kind of question those because again, what other people said about me. Right. So I think really having that self-love allows you to give that to other people. And I think that's what leads to a fulfilling life. Um, because if you're, if you're crabby, if you don't believe in yourself, what do you start doing? You start complaining, you start judging people, you start going back to what we talked about right at the beginning. You're kind of looking at Instagram. You're like, Oh, I want to be like that right. person. That doesn't lead to a fulfilling life. Right. So what I've experienced recently is having a North star, um, and then being able to understand who I am. And then probably lastly, it's getting around a community of people that you actually enjoy being around. Not that they're not going to challenge you and not that they're not going to make you think different because that's actually important, but there's a mutual respect and understanding that we're all on this kind of journey together. Um, and we're all on our different path, but we're on the journey going forward. We're not just sitting around kind of bashing people, being negative, doing whatever, because that's a different group of people. Right. I don't want to be around that group of people. So I would say those three, the kind of community, the kind of you know, almost the, the internal self-awareness 
and then having your North Star, I think that's what defines a fulfilling life. Um, and it's going to be different for everyone. But at least that's my thought on it, I guess. That's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. This has been really fun. Do you have a different answer for that? What's your thought on fulfilling life? I'm going to spin it back to you. Oh, man, I've never thought about my own question. Um, oh, man. Well, you, when you have a podcast around the podcast, you're going to sometimes get the... <laughs> the return volley. It's like when somebody asks Tim Ferriss' own questions and he's like, no, no, yeah. no, this is about you. Um, I would definitely agree that self-love is uh, the, one of the most important ingredients and community, absolutely. Um, I, I would definitely agree with the North Star type thing. I don't know that I would phrase it the same way. I think the way you phrase it is really cool and unique to you. Um, I don't know how I would ref- how I would phrase it in a way that resonates with me, but I know that having some sense of purpose, you know, why are you here? Why do you, you know, why were you given the innate skills and abilities and and thoughts that you have? Um, I think there's a reason for all of that. And I don't know if it's spiritual or religious or personal or what it is. Um, But I do think acknowledging that and stepping into that is really important for feeling fulfilled. I think that uh, you can be really good at something or, and not be, be, be fulfilled because it's not aligned with your purpose. So I would say mine would be self-love and self-awareness um, kind of as, as two things or, you know, two things put together, uh, community, and then getting really intentional, not necessarily clear because I think it's an ever-growing thing, but intentional around what your purpose is. Thanks for That's asking awesome. that back. I should ask. Yeah, you absolutely. This was a blast. <laughs> this was, we didn't really know how this was going to go. This I know we're just kind of jamming on it. Um, this is, this was fun. I'm glad we were able to do this and, uh, yeah. and chat. Thanks so much for, uh, for being up to it. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. And I'm excited uh, to hear what people think of this conversation. So this will be fun. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode and look forward to having you in the next one. And if I could make one ask of the community, if you did enjoy this one or others, please head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review, give me a rating, let me know how I'm doing. It also gives a chance for this podcast to get bubbled up to more people, more exposure on it, and hopefully help other people on their journeys kind of get to that next level. And go check me out online. BrianAndraco.com is the website. Um, I have the podcast there, blog. I even have a now page to kind of keep people up to speed in the last couple months, what's going on in my world. Um, At worst, it allows my mom to keep tabs on me and make sure I'm doing okay. And feel free to connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at BrianAndraco. Send me a DM. Let me know how you guys are doing, a little bit about your journey. I love to connect with new people and kind of hear what's making them passionate and motivated to reach fulfillment in their life. So I thank you guys again for listening in. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.